Let's just come before the Lord and pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank you that we can gather together here this morning. And the great privilege we have of coming before your throne of grace and bringing our songs of praise before you, coming to pray before you, but also, Lord, coming to bring open hearts before you. Lord, may we not take your word for granted. May we recognize the authority of your word. May we recognize that your word are the breathed out thoughts of God to us. That you want us to listen to and to put ourselves under. So Lord, speak to our hearts now. We know you are right here with us. Your spirit is here, living in us. Do your work among us now, we pray. Amen. Well, we're coming to the end of the book of Colossians. I thought we were going to be one or two sermons away, but it might be slightly more as the Lord's revealing to me now as we go. And so this morning, um, I want to look at verses 2 to 6 of Colossians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 2 to 6, but I'm dividing it into two sermons. We're going to look at part of it for this morning and part of it for next week. And I've entitled the sermon, Wise Words. This morning we're going to be looking at the words we bring before the Lord in prayer. And then next week we're going to be looking at the words we speak to outsiders, those who do not yet know the Lord Jesus Christ and how we interact with them. And so let's look at Colossians chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 2 to 6. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 to 6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I might make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves wisely towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. When we look at verses 2 to 4, you notice it's about prayer. How do we come before the Lord? And what does He want us to pray for? And so let's look at the supreme example of prayer. And who was that prayed by? Jesus Christ Himself. God praying to God. We can't get a better example of prayer. And so let's Go to John chapter 17, and I want you to turn there in your Bibles. We're going to read the whole of that chapter. John chapter 17.
And as we read this, remember, this is Jesus' prayer for His disciples and for us, His disciples in 2020. So let's hear what God says to God in prayer. When Jesus had spoken these words, He lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given Him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given Him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorify you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Man, there's sermons in here. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I, no longer, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, Judas, and that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world. Think of that sentence. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, 
so that the world may know that you sent me and I loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Well, my prayer is that just by reading that prayer, which Christ prayed for you too, that you've been blessed. What's the message of Colossians been up to now? It's been the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Problems in the Colossi church with false teachers and Judaizers coming in and wanting to bring a perverted gospel. Wanting to sideline believers from what they should be doing and how they should be living before God. And how do they overcome that? Paul says to them, make Christ Lord of your life. Make Him number one in everything in your whole life. That will push away these false teachers. It will expose the truth in your life and make it stand out to those that you interact with. Christ as Lord in your life. And so make Christ Lord in what you believe. Make Christ Lord in your everyday walk. Make Christ Lord in your attitude towards personal sin. We looked at all those things. And even in the way you become more Christ-like, is Christ Lord in that process? Is Christ Lord in your relationships to each others as members of His church, says the Apostle Paul? Is Christ Lord in the way you relate to each other as believers at home with your children? Is Christ Lord with your wife and the husband? Is Christ Lord in that relationship? The way you interact with your employer or the way you are an employee, is Christ Lord in that? You see, Colossians has far-reaching consequences to us. And now, is Christ Lord in the way you pray? Is Christ Lord in the way that you relate to unbelievers? Is Christ at the center of everything, says the book of Colossians? So let's look at this topic that he brings to our attention here this morning. He says in verse 2, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. So verse 2, he's calling us to faithful prayer. He's calling us, in actual fact, to be faithful prayers. Those who come in prayer before the Lord. To continue steadfastly in prayer. To be watchful as we pray. And then to be thankful in our prayers. And as a result of our prayers. So what does this mean? To continue steadfastly. A literal translation would be to be courageously persistent in your prayer. Is the, pray, the prayers, are the prayers that you pray, are they courageously persistent before the Lord? 
courageously, without fear, persistent before the Lord? Do you hold fast and not let go when you pray? In other words, do you persevere in prayer? Do I persevere in my prayer life? See, of the Christian walk, and I, I would suspect we are with the majority of believers, our prayer lives are the weakest part of our Christian walks. Examine your own life before the Lord this morning. You see, does courageously persistent describe your prayer life and mine? I know courageously persistent describes more our chasing after healthy bank balances. We're very courageous and persistent in that. It's also a good description of the way we chase the latest bit of technology. Or maybe the next exciting experience. But prayer? You see, the apostle calls us to be persevering in our prayer. Why? Because God will answer our prayers. They're not just words which come before Him. God will answer our prayers. In His time. In His way. And for our good. He will answer our prayers. Do you believe that? When God delays when you've prayed, is that a denial? He's just saying, no. I'm not listening. Because I haven't answered you. Is that what prayer is? When God doesn't answer? No. God delays in answering our prayers to increase our faith and to accomplish His purposes. Even our prayer lives are to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, let Your will be done. And so the Lord delays sometimes in our prayer lives to increase our faith and to accomplish His purposes. You see, a delay from our perspective is perfect timing from God's perspective. We can't see the whole picture. He can. When you pray and you pray and you pray and it feels as if God isn't answering, trust His timing. He sees the whole picture of your life. He sees what He wants to do in your life. Trust Him. Persevere in your prayer. Be faithful prayers. Say, yes, Lord, I'm coming before you and I trust you. You are Lord of my life. Lord, you will answer my prayers. I believe that. What a great example we have in Scripture. There are many examples in Scripture of great prayers, faithful prayers before the Lord. One of those I want to bring to you is Hannah in the Old Testament. We had a great sermon a while back from, uh, that Mike Newland gave us on Hannah as a woman before the Lord. But just to remind you, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1 to 20. Just flick there quickly in your Bibles or scroll there in your device. 1 Samuel 1, verse 1 to 20. There's a story of Hannah coming to pray in the temple. She's childless. The other wife in the family is giving her great stick every time because she hasn't got children. And this has become such a burden on her life. And every time they go up to Jerusalem to pray, the Lord hasn't answered. 
And she sees the other wife in this relationship, Old Testamental relationship. This other wife is getting more and more children, and yet the Lord isn't answering her prayer. And so she comes again before the Lord. And the instance that's recorded in 1 Samuel is when she comes before the Lord again in the temple. And this time she sees that she must come to the Lord with everything in her. And so she comes and she just pours out her soul before the Lord to such an extent that Eli, who's serving the temple, thinks that she's a drunk woman. But she says, no, I've been deeply distressed and I've prayed before the Lord and and I've wept bitterly before Him. That's what she was doing before the Lord. She was bearing her soul before the Lord. This wasn't just a please help me God prayer. She was weeping before the Lord. Lord, why aren't you hearing my prayer? But Lord, I take a vow before you. If you answer my prayer and give me a son, I will give him back to you. And so we read in chapter 1, verse 15. I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. What's that word vexation mean? Anger. Wow, that's honest. She's shaking her fist at God? No. But she's asking, Lord, why haven't you answered? And she's frustrated by it. But she brings all this honestly before the Lord. This is how we should be coming before the Lord. Recognizing that He's Almighty God. The one who is God of the armies who can answer our prayers. We need to bear our souls before Him. Then Eli answered her, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Now look at her response. Did she believe God's going to answer her prayers? Yes. Then the woman went her way and ate. She hadn't been eating to now. She'd been starving herself because of anxiety. She went and ate, and her face was no longer sad. She believed. What an example of a faithful prayer warrior. The Lord is calling you and I in 2020 to believe that He is Lord and to bring our prayers before Him. We are to be faithful prayers before Him. The Apostle Paul carries on. In Thessalonians, in another letter like Colossians, but to the Thessalonians, he writes to them, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Pray without ceasing. Does that describe your prayer life? Do you pray without ceasing? Now, it doesn't mean going around town mumbling to yourself and people think you've gone mad. But it does mean constantly speaking to the Lord about anything and everything. You see, praying without ceasing should come to us as breathing does. Pray to the Lord about everything and anything. Why? Because He's Lord of your life. He loves you. He cares for you. He can answer those prayers. Just come to Him with anything and everything. And remember, He is God. You see, unfortunately, the opposite is true. 
Many times our prayer is limited to speed dating prayers. No? Those quick five minute jobs. Or to saying grace before meals with our kids. Is that the only prayer they see in our families? Or to foxhole prayers when we're being shot at and in mortal danger and the world is caving in on us. Suddenly I remember to pray. Sadly, isn't that the reality of many of our prayer lives? The Lord says, be faithful in prayer. But not just that, He says, be watchful in your prayer lives. We are to wait constantly on the Lord. We are to constantly be sensitive to what the Spirit is saying to us in our souls while we are busy praying before the Lord. What is He impressing on us as we read His Word, open before Him as we pray? Because that's how you can pray. Pray with the Word open before you. Bring the promises of God before Him and, and wait for His voice. Unfortunately, many times our prayers are one-way thing. Lord, please listen, I'm now about to pray. And you start with your little list. It's not a one-way conversation. When we pray, we come before the Lord and we listen to what He says. Our, our spirits are to be sensitive to what the Lord is impressing on our lives. What is He making real from the Word that I'm reading as it stands open before me? What is jumping out at me from the pages of Scripture? Pay attention. God is speaking in prayer. We are to be watchful before Him. We are to come with faithful expectancy. You will answer, Lord. And be expectant before Him. Lord, I've brought my requests before You. Lord, You know the deepest desires of my heart. I'm waiting for Your answer, Lord. Because You can answer. And then be ready for His answers. Don't be surprised when He does answer you. Don't stand back in amazement as the Lord answers your, your prayers in ways you'd never even thought possible. Don't be amazed. Expect God Almighty to answer your prayers. The thing is, we come with so little hope and so little faith that when God answers, we're in shock. And then He says, be watchful, be awake in your prayer. For what? Well, maybe through negligence or lazy presumption. Some spiritual catastrophe is coming over you and you're not seeing it. Be awake in prayer. The Lord might be showing you what He's doing and where the danger lies. Be watchful while you pray. Because that's the time when you're praying, when your thoughts wander. Come on, put up your hands if it doesn't happen to you. Thank you, Alan. It's when you're praying that all those other thoughts seem to cluster. You remember things you couldn't ever remember when you should have as a 55-year-old. I know. But when I'm praying, I suddenly remember everything that's not relevant. And it's crowding out my prayer. Yes? And isn't this also the time when Satan will try to divert your thinking? Why? Because 1 Peter 5.8, he go, goes around like a prowling lion, seeking those he can devour. And when's the best time to devour believers? 
when they're coming before the throne of God himself. I'll distract them then. And so be watchful when you pray. And then literally be awake when you pray. You see, trying to pray two minutes before you actually fall asleep is not going to help you. Be awake when you pray. And then when the Lord answers your prayers, and before He answers your prayers, He says, be thankful in your prayers. So we are to be faithful in our prayers, we are to be watchful in our prayers, and we are to be thankful in our prayers. Thank the Lord before He answers. That's what Hannah did. She went away, she ate food, and she was no longer sad because she believed that God would answer her prayer. And only then did she conceive a child. Be thankful before the Lord. And when I say that, I don't mean say you will say thank you. We're so guilty of it. I will thank the Lord. Yep. And we forget. Stop and say thank you, Lord. Stop and say thank you, Lord. Make the time. Stop. Say thank you, Lord. We are too busy in our lives. Put that gadget off. Make time before the Lord. Then, for answering your prayers. You know, many of us pray for our children, right? If you've got grown children, many of them have wandered away from the Lord who once confessed Christ in their lives. In many of them, you see the danger signs in their lives. Many of them still hold on to a form of Christianity, but it's powerless because they've wandered off into liberalism and the thinking of the world. Pray for your children. Don't give up. Be persistent in your prayers for your children. God will answer your prayers. If they are of His, He will not let them go. He will bring them a painful route in life, but He will not let them go. We are to remain faithful. We are to be in the background praying. Who of you saw the prayer room? The movie out, I think it was a couple of years ago. I was in tears. We are to be faithful prayers before the Lord. Come before the Lord and believe that Lord Almighty will answer. Pray faithfully. And then secondly, Verses 3 to 4, this is what the Apostle says. It's also to do with prayer. At the same time, pray also for us. He's now in the situation in Rome. He's writing to the Colossae Christians. And he's saying, hey, remember us in prayer. That what? That God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I might make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So what's the Apostle saying? He's saying use prayer as an evangelistic opportunity. Be evangelistic prayers. Be purposeful in your prayers. Paul asked the churches to pray for him because remember this letter was going to go around to various churches in that part of the world. And he asks all the churches to pray for him as he is in chains in Rome. What for? Must they pray that 
he'll have more comfort and a fair hearing when he appears before the emperor? No, it doesn't even come in. He asks the churches to pray that God would open opportunities to preach the mystery of Christ. Now that's a very specific thing. What is the mystery of Christ? Why was Paul sent out into this area? Because he was the apostle that God had put on his heart. He had the very specific mission to take the gospel message to who? To the Gentiles, to non-Jews. That was his mission. And so his prayer is that God would give him opportunities to, as he's sitting in Rome, to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, to preach the mystery of Christ. What is the mystery of Christ? That the, that the kingdom of God is available not just to those who are Jews, but to any who will come and bow the knee to God Almighty. To any who will come, Jew and Gentile. There's more to that. There's sermons in the mystery of Christ. But he is to bring the gospel message to those who would hear. And so Paul's praying is that while he and his companions, who were, by the way, voluntary prisoners in Rome, those who traveled with him became voluntary prisoners in Rome, while they sat in prison, that God would make opportunities for the gospel to be proclaimed and explained clearly. Did God answer these prayers? Yes, He did. While Paul was sitting there handcuffed to a guard, each time there was a guard rotation, that guard would hear the gospel message from the apostle. And those guards would take what they had heard, and they would take it into the guard rooms, and into the palace of the emperor. And so the gospel message spread into the whole of Caesar's household. And so many came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And not just that, believers, those who were under persecution for their faith, were emboldened by what Paul was doing from prison, at risk to his own life. And they were made bold in the faith. And so the gospel message was spread through them. Were these prayers being answered? Yes, they were. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 to 14. Listen to this. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word Without fear. God was answering these prayers. Right into the core of the Roman Empire. Those battle-hardened soldiers who were crude and vile. They were hearing the gospel message. Chained to God's apostle. Talk about a captive audience. And so the gospel went Right throughout the Roman Empire, unhindered, says Acts 28.30, it spread. God answered the prayers of Paul and the apostles and the churches. So what can we learn from Paul about prayer? Well, prayer is important. It's of utter importance in all circumstances. And we are to persevere 
in it. You know, the Lord really needs to teach you and I stickability in prayer. There's a modern word we all know. We have to be stickable in prayer. Not just give up. We have to come day after day. It's not called nagging. There's a difference there. An attitude, right? Nagging. It's coming before the Lord time after time. Time after time because He will hear my prayers. He will answer. And He has said, bring them to me. I'm your Father. I want to hear your prayers. But not just that, says the Apostle. Don't just love and pray for those in the church. And we should be doing more prayer for those in churches. Remember, in the church. Remember earlier in our studies in Colossians, I urged you when we came to prayer, take your prayer diary from the church with all the pictures of the people you don't know yet and pray for them. We need to be praying for each other, right? But that's not where prayer ends. We must pray for those who do not yet know Jesus Christ. Our family members who deny Jesus Christ. Those ones who give us a hard time. Our colleagues who keep ridiculing when we say we're Christians. We have to pray for them. Before you go and take anyone the gospel, pray for them. How do I know that's right? How do I know that prayer is the foundation of my witness? What did Jesus do in his great high priestly prayer? Chapter 17, verse 20. He prayed not just for his disciples, but for all those who will come by the words that the disciples bring. Jesus was praying for those who would come. So we are to do that. You see, prayer opens the doors for the gospel. Prayer opens the doors for the gospel to go into people's lives and to affect their lives and change their lives and bring them life. And we are to pray for opportunities to bring that message to people. We call those in the church speak that we have divine appointments. We are to pray for divine appointments. Times when in our interactions, in our conversations with people, a clear opportunity arises where we can speak to them about their souls. God has said, about how we should live before Him. But what is, what is people's greatest need? They need to know Jesus Christ, right? They need to know the truth of the gospel. Now tell me, my friend, when the opportunity opens before you to speak the gospel message, do you know that message? Or is it going to be a half-baked, kind of accurate gospel presentation? You see, if a gospel presentation, if a gospel message isn't accurate, it is no message at all. Because it's not my message. God has given us His message to give. So what is the gospel message? We were discussing this last night. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 to 5. Turn there, please. If you're not sure what the gospel message is, it's not hard. It's here. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 to 5. This is what it says. The Apostle Paul speaking to the Corinthians. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Here's the gospel message. It's not about feelings. It's not about what you've, what you've got to experience. It's about what Christ has done. Here it is. What has Christ done? Christ 
Sorry, I'm just going to repeat verse 4. He was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. I'm going to read that again. I delivered to you as of the first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Christ died for sin. He was buried. He was raised to life so that we have hope. It's about what He has done. And now the question comes, do you believe the gospel of Christ? So the gospel of Christ isn't about an experience. It's not about a feeling. It's not about, wow, I'm now, I'm now a Christian. It's about what has Christ done and do you believe that? It's about Him. So we need to pray for open doors for the gospel. And when those opportunities come, we need to speak and we need to speak accurately. And God will use those moments to turn people to Him. I want to give you two points of application as we close. First one's this. Two quotations. First one from William Cowper, who's a famous dead guy who wrote hymns. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. I'll repeat that. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Why? Because that weak saint is bowed before the very throne of God. And God is inclining His ear and hearing and answering that prayer. And therefore, Satan trembles. The reality, unfortunately, is that maybe Satan's trembling with laughter because of the non-prayers that get prayed. The Spirit do His work among us. Second quotation is this. The people of the light sit idly by while the world marches by to die. David Garland, he's a famous living guy. Still going. The people of the light sit idly by while the world marches by to die. Your colleagues, your children, your relatives, the people you meet in the shopping center, the people you interact with, the contractors who come and do work at your place. Do they know Jesus Christ? The bigger question is, am I praying for them? Because when God's people pray, He answers those prayers. Are we faithful prayers? Are we watchful prayers? Are we thankful prayers? Are we evangelistic prayers? Let's pray. Lord, as Colin prayed earlier in the service, forgive us. Because we don't come before you in prayer as we should. We don't take prayer seriously as we should. We don't see the power in prayer as we should. And that's why, Lord, 
And that's because, Lord, you are not Lord in our lives as you should be. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that it brings before our attention areas in our lives that we have to bow the knee to as your spirit works in us. Lord, in every single one of us sitting here, help us to pray aright before you. Help us to pray ceaselessly before you. Help us to believe that when we pray, you will answer. And Lord, help us to pray for each other and for those who we will reach out to with the gospel message. Help us to pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you in this week to really put before the Lord the situation with these missionaries that we brought to your attention this morning. Put the power of prayer to the test before the Lord. Bring before him those various situations with Yasu and with those missionaries that I mentioned. Bring them before the Lord. Bring your kids before the Lord again this week. Make a point of it. Let's believe that God has spoken to us today. And then stand back in expectancy as Almighty God answers those prayers. Wanganui East, let's believe God. And let's make Lord Jesus Lord of our lives in the way we pray. I put that to you. And let's come back next week with what God is doing and encourage each other in the faith. Let's give Him praise as we sing now. Thanks, Colin.